0: Hello, listeners.
1: Hello, everyone. How
0: are you? Welcome to, uh, what is it, episode four? Season four, episode four of Neurodivergent Moments.
1: Yeah, I just realized I asked everyone how they are, and I can't hear your answers.
0: Please, each individually, email in and just be like, I'm fine, thanks.
1: Neurodivergent Moments pod.
0: Yes. Email. Thank (laughs) you.
1: Things are going well. And uh, today we had on Ruben K.,
0: Yes, I love Ruben.
1: Oh, that was fun. What, what,
0: how would you, Because Ruben is one of those acts who he sort of blurs the line between. He's not a drag queen. It's not quite sort of stand up. It's sort of its own its own genre.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he gets lumped in with cabaret, but it's mm. I think it's like bigger than cabaret. You know, uh, he's a he's a comedy musical performer. He tours with a whole band. Uh, it's like nothing you've ever seen. It's so much fun.
0: It's amazing, um, amazing. Yeah, amazing show. Yeah, I think this is one of the rudest uh podcasts we've done. Yeah, yeah. Um, our sensitive listeners can cover their ears at the rude parts.
1: Yeah, maybe uh, give it a screen if you listen to it with your kids. D- just oh, double check.
0: yeah, do not. I mean, if you let your kids listen to this and we are calling social services. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, come on now. I don't think it's that bad. <laughs> yeah. And the subject today was shame, which we didn't talk about very like bluntly. But at the same time, I feel like it was covered.
0: It was. Yeah. It was, I mean, we, we never we never go straight for the for the topic. Um, we often go off off around it. But it was there. Shame is always there yeah shame shame <laughs> always exists, yes, yeah,
1: and speaking of shame, you know what uh makes me feel shameful asking for for money, so uh what's going on on the patreon
0: <laughs> we've got a new tier system coming in, so we will update that it should be updated by the time this goes out, um and there'll be you can pay different amounts and we've got badges
1: so right now, the way the tier system works is it's three quid a month for the patreon extras and the book club. And then um and then ten ten pounds a month and we give you a shout out. Oh, by the way, we have a ten pound subscription.
0: Do we? Let's shout yeah. out.
1: Thank you so much, Sam Allen, for thank uh for Sam don't Allen. say what?
0: I said thank you, Sam Allen.
1: Oh, I thought you said I know Sam Allen. So for becoming a uh producer Patreon. Uh we really appreciate it. It's so helpful. The Patreon money goes to helping us um, make the podcast. So we really couldn't do it without you guys.
0: That studio space is expensive.
1: It is so expensive.
0: But still, somehow the cheapest in London.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, but my point is okay. So three quid Patreon. You get, you get uh, the book club and you get the extras. Ten quid. You get the book club, the extras, and you get a name shout out. Now we're going to. Like Sam Allen had, lucky guy, big fan, or lucky them, or. Sam her. is
0: a, a gender-neutral name. We've, oh my god, I, We've assumed
1: whatever it is. Sam, you're who, we like
0: we, all Sam Allen. How,
1: however, however you identify, Sam, you are a royal in my eyes. Um, we're gonna add a five-pound Patreon, and so for five quid a month, you get the book club you get the extras and then we're going to release the videos of the interviews on our patreon so you can watch it if you want as opposed to just listen to it and also we now have little neurodivergent moments badges or pins as we say in america so if you sign up for the five quid patreon you get a pin as well
0: we've been giving those to our guests as well people might think you're, you've are you been a guest
1: yeah yeah you'll be in an, ex- an elite exclu- club.
0: <laughs> exclusive
1: club which is very cool um yeah so uh those of you who are on the three quid you can change it if you wish uh those of you who aren't on the patreon now we're adding more to it so i hope you enjoy it
0: yes and here is Ruben k
1: yay All right, cool. Yeah. Uh, so,
0: are we are we going with Shane then? or we want to? I mean, I'm open minded We can do whatever topic we want.
2: I feel no matter what topic we broach, shame will come into it in some form right. or another. Yeah. Right? It's sort of the, the diffuser in the room, the Joe yeah. Malone diffuser in the room. Yeah, yeah. It just flavors um, everything.
1: Okay let's let's call let's have that be the episode. And I mean, we're talking loosely based. Like, oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's, we, just we, just we, it's not going to be like. And then,
2: I just yeah. came <laughs> off a gay cruise. I can't do anything tightly.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> Everything has I to be hear about loosely that. based. <laughs> Are we recording now? Yeah. Were you working on the group? Yeah. Cruises? <gasps> I'm Jelly. I do cruises, but I do like old people cruises. <laughs> and cruises. I'm like oh, yeah. very close to getting fired.
2: <laughs> <laughs> why? I can't imagine why.
1: I just, you know what? They don't seem to be into my whimsy storytelling. Um,. I have, yeah. a f- I have a friend who does them, who I've met on cruises, who's a singer, and between his songs, he just tells pub jokes, and he kills, and it's so hard to watch, because I'm like, but I wrote this, like, this is an original idea. No,
2: they kind of like being able to listen to a joke that they themselves have seen yeah. on Instagram, or Facebook, Facebook more likely. Yeah, yeah. They're, I've done straight cruises. And they're fine. The audiences do tend to look at me like a dog that's been shown a magic trick. (laughs) They do tend to just go, huh, and you do this for a living? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just did the American one that I did. I just came off the American one, and that was next level. Yeah. Next level. It was a gay male space, not necessarily a queer space. Okay. It was a partying every night. One whole section of the ship became known as the dick deck. It was just a dark room. But because it's a cruise ship, it's not like a dark room, it's just got ambient lighting and the staff are still there being like, Does anybody want a daiquiri? (laughs) Meanwhile there's like a guy who's literally like a burger, he's five guys in.
1: Oh wow. It was amazing. The ones I do are so very straight and conservative. I didn't even know they did this on the open seat. There
2: was a guy who had just pasted or stuck to his cabin door a piece of paper with marks on it like a prison wall counting down that just said load count. Wow. (laughs) It was me. (laughs) Now that could be like a
0: bit tough gig though, because everyone's just waiting to bang each other and you've yeah. got to do comedy before Yeah. Do you wanna hear a joke?
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it was. <laughs> I mean, it's very much like I'm very aware that I'm the vegetables you have to eat to get to dessert. <laughs> I was the comedy equivalent of... the entertainment equivalent of broccoli. And they're like, mmm, I don't wanna. You have to have this. Or you don't get any ice cream.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have culture before you have sex.
2: That's it. That's the rule. And then after we the have sex, to you get support for a culture. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it it's that interesting thing, right? Um, that... We go there, we get on a boat, we as queer people, gay men, travel hundreds of kilometres out to sea to find a safe space, and then we let loose. But still, even there, what I witnessed and what I could see was a lot of the queer conditioning that gets put into society, these men who are told, oh, society didn't want you, but queer culture only wants you, gay culture only wants you at a certain body shape. It's so all these big, muscled-up gym bunnies who are on creatine and steroids and shit. It was circuit party culture on board the boat as well.
1: Oh, wow. And
2: there's some people that are like, hey, even though I'm surrounded by all these queer people, these gay people, this is my family, they still are socially, they're going, oh, God, how do I, eat? How, am I good enough?
1: Oh, wow. Am
2: I still in a high school hierarchy? No, it's an interesting thing that you, you can't shake very easily.
1: Interesting. Does it feel like that on the cruise? Like did did there wind up being like a like a like a mean girls squad or like show up? You know what I mean? Like there's so <laughs> the many. Book. There's yeah. thousands of people on a cruise. So it's hard to.
2: How about you know. this? I think I made one in my own head.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: I think I put it out there that I was like, oh, my God, those are the popular people. They're the guys with, like, full-on six-packs and cum gutters and BBLs and beautiful lips. And, oh, my God, they're all congregating together. Oh, well, that means that they're, they're like, the popular girls and they won't, they won't want to talk to me. I'm like, then at the end of the cruise, I was like, "Ruben, what are you doing? What are you do? You're You're doing this as well. They haven't given you any, any evidence to this.
1: Interesting.
2: So, yeah, all that stuff that you carry with you. Even when you are, as you and I and we all are, queer liberated icons of the <laughs> of the new millennium. Yeah, you know. so, Yeah, but that's all I, so. That's what I've been doing. Oh, fascinating.
1: <laughs> good for you. Good for you. And so, can I ask? Uh, you have ADHD. Yes. And can I ask? Uh, childhood diagnosis. Late diagnosis.
2: Childhood diagnosis. Hidden from one parent. <gasps> similar? Drama. Similar? Wow. Oh, well, God.
1: hidden from you. Oh <laughs>
0: hidden mean, from me. So oh, so you my, weren't told? I may have told you in on the podcast before, but I'll tell you. I, I had a, a drive with my mum five years ago, and she went, Oh, have I ever told you that you're autistic? And I said, No, you haven't mentioned that yet, mum. And uh, she went, Yeah, we've mentioned it since you were a child. <laughs> she didn't tell me. And, uh, brilliant. And went, well, brilliant we, show title. Well, so So here's the thing. Then she goes, <laughs> well, you must have known, why do you think I used to run that support group for parents of autistic children? And I went, oh, yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> I wasn't really taken <laughs> in. I was in. I was in my own world. <laughs> I do think
2: sometimes we are the last to know in many things. Yeah. Everyone knew I was gay before me. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, very much the last to know. I think, And the same thing, my dad, I was always a bit like, I probably have. Mm. I have all the telltale signs in that most people think I'm a cunt. And (laughs) then I was chatting to my stepmother. We like to drink red wine and play mahjong. She sounds like a great stepmom. She's fantastic. I'm really like, I've got brilliant step parents and good parents. We all, there was no animosity after the divorce and they all hang out. That's lucky. Now we don't hang out with dad because he's dead, but when he was alive, we all hang out. And then me and stepmom were having a glass of wine, playing Mahjong, blah, blah. And I said something about, like, oh, i am probably got ADHD. And she went, well, of course you have ADHD. Your father got you diagnosed when you were a kid.
1: So you didn't know either. No, Wait, I didn't know. You didn't know. It was for me.
2: A- and my stepmom, and my dad knew. And then he said, no, we're not going to get you medicated. You'll be fine. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm tearing a couch up. Like, I'm like. <laughs> I'm like a terrier or a cat. Yeah. I've got to have a scratch pole and a cat maze around the room so I can climb. Like I learned to climb before I could walk. Yeah, yeah. And anyway, so I put it in my show and I'm doing bits about it. And then my mum says to me, When did you get diagnosed for ADHD? And I what do you mean? Dad got me diagnosed as a kid. And she said, oh, News to me. Wow. But it had to have been it had to have been either Because they got divorced when I was eight. So I think he did it after the divorce.
1: Yeah. Whoa. What was your mom's reaction? What was your reaction when you found out? And then what was your mom's reaction?
2: I think because I had assumed, right, um, because I'd assumed and then he, he, he got said to me, I was so blindsided by it when she told me that I didn't really... Think about it. Mm. I went, mean, ah, oh, it kind of felt like I'd been king hit with my own diagnosis. Yeah, yeah. But it was also like not a surprise. It was more the delivery that was the surprise than the diagnosis. <laughs> and then I think I just, on the bus home or the Uber home, I was like, okay. Oh, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. This is, and then little bits kind of clicked. I was like, yep, okay. This all makes very much Yeah, and maybe it's helped me tackle some of that stuff or at least have a name for it.
1: Yeah. Because when
2: you've got a name for it, you don't feel so... I get very lost in my spirals and I get very... um, uh, As I get older, anxiety plays a bigger part in Mm -hmm. those spirals Um, uh, and having a name for it is a really good thing. Yeah. Mm. Because I don't feel so hostage T- taken hostage by
1: it yeah i find that now that i know what it is like if i have like uh like a day where i just can't function especially the more you know about adhd because before i got diagnosed and before we started this podcast which is just really an educational tool for me it's, um, <laughs> it's great because i also
2: don't know that much about adhd
1: well like one of so obviously there's the whole idea of like someone who's like Super like hyper or over talkative or constantly fidgety, but there's also this other coin where it's like you have uh task paralysis or like shutdown mode, so you'll be like like, almost like manically able to do something, and then for three days you can't do anything. Oh, that's
2: 100% me. Mm -hmm. Deadlines are the thing that get me going, yeah. Like the night before a deadline, I can hyper focus. I went in, uh, but but the weeks before.
1: No, nothing. yeah,
2: nothing, nothing. I'm trying to write a show now, and I'm not doing anything, mm-hmm. but I'm still chewing myself out for it. Yeah,
1: yeah. But now I try, I, and it doesn't always work. To be completely honest, but now when I get into those like shutdown modes or paralysis modes, I now I'm kind of like, okay, I know this is happening. And I feel like it's easier just to like write it out for a day mm. than to like beat myself up, and then I'm even further behind. It's about because because that I've as been work, in... isn't it?
0: The, the rest is part of the process. Yeah, like, oh, that's Well, today good. I'm spending this preparing. Yeah, I spend, I
2: here. I think that's a healthier way of looking at it than I have, <laughs> which is I believe firmly in like I'll surrender to it and go too far, mm. so that by the end of it I'm like I'm sick of this. I've done this too much. Yeah. And then I get galvanized into it because I've gone too far. But looking at it as work is a really nice thing. Okay. No, no. And then it adds like a
0: mindful i purpose- really element. I'm giving advice to people's needs that aren't mine. But then my own, <laughs> I do loads of my own toxic things for myself. <laughs> do, do you know
2: my mum's greatest um, piece of advice? No. Take on. my advice. I'm not using it. Lovely. <laughs> that is wonderful. It's man. fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah. She's also, by the way, it's, I don't, she's not going to listen to this. But it's also interesting. Um, you don't know your
0: mom might listen to this. She's, she writes
1: fun. in every week. <laughs> oh
2: she asks us to have you on. <laughs> no, mom. <laughs> She, that sounds like her, actually. Could you please help get my son on? She's obsessed, has a in her bonnet about me being on QI.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> she doesn't care.
2: Oh. She doesn't care that we were on Celebrity Pointless. Yeah,
1: which hasn't aired yet.
2: No, devastated. I, I,
1: I'm I'm constantly, like, calling my agent. I'm like, is it out yet? Is it out yet? Is it out yet?
2: Um. So, my mom has a in her bonnet about QI, no matter what else I've been on. Mm. Is that a good edit point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No matter what else I've been on, and... I've noticed now, she keeps pushing it, and I've noticed now that my mum is much more of an anxious person and displays anxious um, uh, behaviours and behaviours that could possibly be... Maybe I'm just searching for other people to diagnose. (laughs) But things like my mum will have to be very useful during a dinner party. Who needs something? Who needs something? Serving something. And the minute all that stops and she gets to sit and rest, she goes out for a cigarette and then comes back in. All right, who's ready to eat? Who's ready to serve? Who needs another drink? All this, i like, oh, my God, Mom. And then she turned to me once and she said, I just view my life as this big series of fuck-ups and I keep on screwing up. And I'm like, Mom, you are one of the most like capable, incredible, funny, smart, powerful women that I know. I've grown up looking up to you. Oh, wow. And she still has that going on in her head. Yeah. And she has a reputation in, in her field as someone who is very high status, as someone who is brilliant and someone who's very... Um, uh, oh God, someone called it the grumpy version of God oh in wow her field, is... Which
1: is... can I ask what what does she do
2: she 's
0: a filmmaker in australia oh,
1: very cool
0: filmmaking scriptwriter there 's because... no correlation between how competent someone is and how they view themselves it <laughs> mm. 's people just have so much unearned confidence and you go yeah a,
1: if anything it's the inverse isn't yeah, it like when is. you're really good you're like I could be better and yeah. when someone's like N- not that great they're like I freaking smash that <laughs> and
0: it's like
1: are we in the same room did we watch that happen because that wasn't smashed. I it.
2: was brilliant yeah <laughs> and then your metric for brilliant changes or you, the wool is pulled away I think also the um, the higher up you get in any artistic field the more the more the fear that people will find out that you're a fraud comes oh, to you, yeah. even though it's not unjustified. Like it's that, my mom calls it freelancer panic.
1: Oh, it's, I like that.
2: Freelancer panic is when you get the job, you're the best person in the world until you have to do the work. And then you think, fuck, people will find out I'm a fraud. And then the work goes out and it's successful. And people tell you you're brilliant and you believe it for a second until you realize you now have to get another gig.
0: And if you don't get another gig, you're a fraud.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's
0: this... That's, especially in creative things, there's no guarantee. It's always possible that we could wake... This, not to put this thought in our heads, but we could wake up tomorrow with no new ideas. Yeah. Like, it's not like... If you train to be a mechanic, you'll always know how, you know, an engine works and that sort of thing. But I think that's the thing that stresses me out is our... I'll get work, like writing work in particular. There's no guarantee that I'll know how to write. That just, that just hit me in a very deep way. Sorry, that, that's too real, isn't it? We it should... really. I mean, I'm fine
2: talking about my diagnosis, my parents, queer culture. And they say, you might wake up and have no ideas.
0: And I spiralled internally. But it doesn't happen. It's not saying where you just learn a skill and you repeat that skill. No. It, it's, it's creative.
1: But like, I I mean, I feel that all the time after the Edinburgh Fringe, which I didn't go to last year, and I'm not doing this year, and I find my mental health has improved uh you so you like every time i finish it comes to september 1st and i'm like well that's it that's the greatest thing i ever wrote i'll never write anything better than that again like how do i top that because hmm. you spent a year putting so much energy into it you're mm-hmm. like and then you come out so tired and what i what i hate is it gets to those last few days of the fringe this is when i this is the last time i went this is when i was like i'm not doing this anymore you get to those last few days and people are like so what's next oh. and I'm like, September like I don't like what I, 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 I just spent a year can I just can I just enjoy the thing I made I made a thing
2: now you have to have someone go so what are you working on yeah that's gonna be on my tombstone <laughs> <laughs> what are you working on <laughs> question mark
1: oh gosh do you live in the UK now permanently you you still go back quite I a still bit. go back yeah, I yeah, still
2: yeah. go back I juggle I juggle, which is not great for my mental health. Um, uh, I've had a, a dark couple of days the last few days because I think, oh, I have a flat in Melbourne, that, uh, roommates, I have a room in Melbourne that I'm, I'm renting, and it has, it's a home. It's mm-hmm. actually a home. And that's a rare thing for me because during the pandemic, for the three years following or two years following the pandemic, during the, I was touring. So I lived out of a suitcase from 2020, from March 2020 till. April
1: 2023. Wow.
2: Wow. I lived out of a suitcase touring with my band jumping because there was no federal policy on COVID in Australia. It was left up to the states. So the states um, created their own regulations and restrictions, and that meant and would close borders to any state that was too high risk. So you had to have passports between each state, and you would be running jumping before state borders closed because their rates were too high or this or this had happened or this had happened. So it was a very high stress thing and I didn't we just lived out of suitcases and everything was in suitcases at friends' houses. Now I've got a place in Melbourne that feels like a home and I've come over here for 6 months mm. and I'm jumping again and I'm living out of suitcases again and it's very hard to it's hard to get things done when everything just takes that extra bit of work. Mm. Oh, I've got to find this thing. Which suitcase is this in? Oh, well, to get that, I've got to move this table out of the way to get this suitcase, to get this, to get this. And you go, what is my life? I'm 38 years old.
1: Yeah. And Do
2: you, then, you don't
1: have a base in London?
2: No, I did. I lived in London for 10 years. And during the pandemic, the landlord said he wanted to move his kids into the place so I had to move out. Fucking landlord. So my mate had... My mate's had to, um Go to my place and box it up for me, and they found so many dildos. Just, <laughs> they just—they were so—they were just like Reuben. We love you very much, and it, it's fine. The the um, the furniture. They did the ba- the clothes, the cookware, the kitchenware, the living room, the vases, the books, the thing, whatever, all the ephemera. And then they said, "Reuben, why do you need three anal starter kits?" <laughs> <laughs> your house isn't big enough for you to lose them. Like, just,
0: uh, as you said this, I remembered that person at the tour show in Portsmouth that said I've been recommending, I work in schools and I've been recommending this podcast to the parents at school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very, very sorry to any parents <laughs> maybe, maybe this children. Maybe sh- this show comes with the content Yeah,
1: just be like, it's adult. Yeah, uh, but yeah, but yeah, so yeah sorry,
2: I'm carry on with the dildo. So, so, yeah, so yeah. yeah, I'm just, I'm in a place now and um and it's lovely, and they're very lovely. I'm very grateful to have a roof over my head mm. in London, um, but living out of suitcases it, it takes a takes a toll.
1: I, yeah, I. Whenever I'm traveling a lot, there's always there's always such a romanticized idea of traveling. You know, people who say they love to travel don't actually travel. I love. Being in places. Yeah. But I, ha- the the moving. The getting from, there. The getting the there. Word. The figuring out what to take. You don't the- like traveling.
2: You like holidays.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I like, and anymore, I don't know if you're the same way, but like if I'm anywhere for like three days, everything comes out. I have to hang stuff up. Yep. I have to like make my little travel lodge into a house. That's it. And, and everything has its place. You need to nest. Yeah.
2: I want to nest because then I'm like, oh, I feel a little bit calmer. But I'm in someone else's house right now, and they're living there still, so all their stuff is up. All the the shelves are full. All the there's no hanging space. Oh. So that's on the other part. It's like, oh god, this should be hung up. All this the minutia of it. Uh. Um, when I was in, and also I'm not doing full shows at the moment. I mean, little stand up bits. I'm having meetings. I'm doing those things. So there's not that big endorphin rush that gives you a structure. I'm really good yeah. if I've got a show that night. That's what I'm doing that day. That's my thing. And I get my endorphin rush and I get the same meal after the show and I have the same meal before the show so that I'm there's like certain things. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, well, I can do some work today because I know what's happening later. But, but if my day is um, amorphous, if it's a bit like... Um, intangible then it's all structure goes out Yeah, especially if I stay home I have to get out of the house then I can go to a cafe with Fi. and but, like well I'm taking up space in someone else's place I have to be useful I have to be doing something mm. do you remember when you were a waiter and, were either of you waiters no no I, I did a few trips at a cafe so when I was a waiter my thing was oh if I don't want to do work If I just carry a tray, (laughs) no one will ever question that I'm doing something. And sometimes I would do whole shifts of moving one glass back and forth on a tray. (laughs) I mean, sorry, I'm very busy. And I think there's something in that in my brain that goes, why? If you're in a cafe and you're sitting down, you better look busy. So you better be busy. Oh. And you can't watch porn in a cafe, my huge <laughs> vice of being like, oh, just a cheeky wank. Three hours later, my cock is a nub. <laughs> they, you can't watch porn in a cafe. You can't just sit there watching YouTube videos, emails, emails, emails. Yeah. You're there by the peer pressure of other people's productivity.
1: Ah, see, that's very smart. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't done that since the pandemic. I used to be great at going to cafes. and mm. And like, I think uh the Pandy has, like, reconditioned me to be, like, home all the time. I call it the Pandy because that sounds more fun.
2: But I love everyone's own little nicknames for the pandemic that made them. One of my friends called it the Panny D.
1: The Panny D. Which yeah.
2: I really loved. One of them was, like, a Panettone. He called it the Panettone all the time. I really love that kind of thing. And they make something terrible, adorable.
1: I like panettone because it sounds like a really nice bowl of pasta. Yeah. <laughs> a, panettone a, a
2: panettone is a cake. Is, like a, is it? It's like a disappointing cake you get from Lidl, yeah. Yeah, but you get the chocolate one and then you, you make French toast with it. Oh, that is good, yeah. <sighs> what? Wait, yeah. do we all know this?
1: To make French toast with cake?
2: No, I just
0: eat like a Renaissance poet. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you but,
0: uh, oh, no, french, but like, 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 like eggy bread french toast yeah. right. wow no I haven't done that so, so you know challah the Jewish nice. bread yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. makes the best french toast it's really eggy yeah. um, and it's got a bit of sweetness and the same for panettone if you get right. the, you can use the dried fruit one but I think dried fruit is an abomination <laughs> unto the lord uh, but the chocolate chip panettone you soak it in um, milk and then egg and then you fry it and it's it's just the
0: best thing in the world,
2: and then you cover it in
0: maple syrup, or you can will, use cinnamon. Litter will sugar. be having panettone in the in the Middle aisle in okay. a month, I think. Okay, Do it.
1: all right. Well, I, thank you both for recipes. I've got to show up. I don't have anything. It comes like with like a right little now.
0: ribbon on top that you can carry it around with. So I'll take a big oh,
1: okay. There. I think I've seen this. I've yeah. never yeah. actually so bought it.
2: It's a little Italian handbag. <gasps> <laughs> this is, sounds yeah.
1: fun. All right, I'm gonna. I'm a big Barbecue, fan of Mars, French bars. toast.
2: Barbecue, Mars bars and bananas. Heaven. Oh, it's mm. yeah. Panettone or challah French toast. It's the best.
1: I'm completely blanking on a quick, fun, little dessert yeah, thing.
2: <laughs> Baked apples? Baked apples? What do you... Do you make any... Do you have, like, a recipe that you... As a go-to for you? Uh uh-huh.
1: Um, like... So, an all-day thing that I do like to make is chicken soup, which (gasps) I just made. Just made yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I
0: love it. all day thing. Proper all day thing. Yeah,
1: because I boil the chicken, then I boil the bones. Like, I do the whole broth thing. Oh, that's Uh, good. And then something that I've just gotten into, which I'm actually making tonight, uh, is sweet potato gnocchi. Yeah. Which is... what well,
0: fresh. Do you make it yourself? Yeah, so, yeah, wow. yeah.
1: So you basically bake the sweet potatoes, peel off the skin, mash them up, and then add flour until it kind of becomes a dough. You don't have to do egg or anything because there's so much, like... Liquid. Yeah, there's so much liquid in the sweet potato. And then I roll them out and cut them up and, and throw them I in the thing.
2: Know, it's so uh, funny how we all think of pasta as something really mystical and mysterious. And then you go, oh, it's just this. yeah
0: yeah, that
1: yeah. just just yeah it's just water and and do you uh, ever
0: bake it's... the gnocchi?
1: uh I haven't yet I haven't That's done really it yet. baked yet.
0: Have
2: you fried the gnocchi?
1: See this is the thing I made it one way where i just boiled it and i put it in a, a chorizo vegetable red sauce yes. and uh, my partner tom really liked it and now every time i go i can make gnocchi how would you like me to make it i can fry <laughs> it i can do it with a butter sage sauce i can do it with the and he's like just the way you did it before would like be <laughs> yeah. i was fascinated like, <laughs> I, I i can literally You know what I mean? Or or what I want to try to do, because Tom also isn't eating gluten right now because he's found that disagreeing with his stomach. So it's gluten-free. It's with uh, um, gluten-free flour that doesn't seem to bug him. Uh, I was like, you know what I could do is I could roll it out. I could roll it out and I could turn it into like thick pasta ribbons. And it probably won't taste like pasta pasta. It'd be more like a dumpling type of pasta. If you've ever had those southern uh, American dumplings that are like, uh, that are rolled out, I think that's what it would be like. I was like, so I could try that. I, and, and he was like, would it hold up when you boil it? I was like, I don't know, but I think so. Would you like me to try it? And he's like, Maybe next time, but this time if we could just make it exactly the way you've made it before. And I'm like, yep, you're edging
2: edging him towards a change bit by bit. You'll slowly turn the heat up on the frog.
0: Yeah, yeah, basically. You've made to... a thing perfectly, yeah. and now you're trying to change it.
1: Well, I'm trying to explore the the <laughs> options of, like, as you said, we can bake gnocchi, we can fry gnocchi, we can put it with different sauces. Can I turn it into an actual roll-out pasta? There's Play so much but That But
2: menta- that mentality is also the same about um, writing a show or a joke. Yeah. That is the most perfect <laughs> way you've done it. It will never be good again, and no, no, don't, 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 don't. You'll, you'll never be able to match up. Yeah. Don't yeah. explore. Yeah. <laughs> No, oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> Is what I mean now. I think... I've, 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 a friend of mine was talking to me, you know, but Ruben, you have written so many good jokes in your past shows. You will write more. I said, how? I've written all of the jokes. Yeah. Like, no, Ruben, trust me. You other oh, comedians are writing more jokes than you. <laughs> like, well, that doesn't help me. <laughs> That's the worst thing you could say. <laughs> they might have
1: written the rest of them. Yeah, why would I <laughs> try?
0: <laughs> but so, it's also like you're... I always find that with a show, that's everything I think about what I'm thinking about that year. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What's important to me that year it comes into that show. So that, well, you, I always have the feeling of, I'm sure it's the same with the sort of stuff you both do, like, well, I've said everything about what's important. Yeah. So. I've compl- I always feel like this is very arrogant, like a completed comedy. You know, like I've got, but then stuff will happen over the next year that you go, I need to say something about that. I I, like,
2: yeah. I'm in agreement with you. You go, well, I've, I, what else is there to talk about? Mm. What yeah. else is there to say? And for me, this last year has been very good professionally, but in terms of how the world works mm. and how the world looks to me is very bleak. So I go, okay. Yeah. I don't, do I want to delve into this cesspit and then try and find the funny in it? I found in the pandemic I was doing a, a live 20-minute um, show every week about the news under the guise of a guided meditation. <gasps> oh, that's um, lovely. That is so
1: funny. Where I <laughs>
2: drank an entire bottle of wine throughout. Really. <laughs> and I had a, an auto cue set up where I was filming that a friend of mine was operating from her house on a Zoom call watching me because he couldn't break because um, Melbourne was so rigidly locked down. Yeah, yeah. Um, and me and my mate would write it, we'd sit down and we would write it. And I, we reached a point, I think after episode 13, 13 weeks where we just went, I can't read the news. I can't look at, I can't make this funny anymore. I have exhausted so much of what I think is funny and I've exhausted my capacity to be objective about something and then take it and twist it and then throw it back, um, and I think I, I've really kind of
0: deep-dived and overwhelmed myself. It is really hard. I've had a few things, I've had two, two things where I've been writing on topical things where, like, really upsetting stories have been the, the headline story. And you can do jokes about anything, but it's draining to be sat in a room reading about Ukraine or whatever yeah. and trying to find something that you can write about that. Well, what ended up happening was a lot of the jokes I'd would make would be pulled
2: back on, would be pushed back onto me Right. As like, um, so if I wanted to make a joke. I was trying to write a thing about the Ukraine, or something, and I said, "It's Ruben K, the only man less likely to pull out than Putin." Right. You know? <laughs> Which yeah. is cute and yeah. fun. But I, would, I would to avoid writing about the thing. Yeah. I'd be like, I'll throw it back onto me and find something sexual or gross or traumatic about me that can echo. Yeah. i was like, oh yeah, well, Ruben, you're not really writing about the thing now, are you? You're just saying bi- bibliography, uh, biography, sorry, or hagiography. All the graffiti.
1: Yeah, but that's that is a. I I feel like that's a maybe. But at the same time, you are getting people to be aware of a situation, but laugh at the same Mm. time. Which I think that's like if we're talking about like why do political comedy? You want people to like be able to have a release about uh, this like political turmoil we're in without feeling hopeless. Yeah, and the. Kind of only way to do it is to make it well, not the only way, but like one way to do it is to turn it back on you, or to make it super like fanciful. Because if you just if you don't, you're just reporting the news, and yeah. that's really sad. Yes. I, th- I
0: think political comedy is about making big stuff small. I've, okay, I yeah, you do it a lot around. more than I do. But actually, a, Why I am can't I... remember who was quote the Linda Smith joke. This is obviously very dated. um Where about George Bush invading Iraq? As you guys, I was trying to find that those weapons of mass destruction, they've got to be somewhere, you can't find them, if you, look for ages, you can't find them, I'm like that with my keys, I think that's such a <laughs> lovely joke, because it's making this like, big thing, so really, really personal, Relatable. where you go, oh yeah, yeah, I've got an image now, of, of George Bush, just like, oh, where did I leave those weapons of mass destruction? And uh, it's made the big things small.
1: Ooh, I like that.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
1: that's really helpful.
0: Yeah, I'm really glad joke, we got it? together <laughs> for this
1: recipe trade and uh, writing well, uh, sure. workshop, yeah, yeah. guys. I think we've done well today. We I'm talking
0: about shame, but we're just making ourselves proud. We're just bigging ourselves up. Yeah, you know what, <laughs> I, you know
1: what though? I think that's appropriate. Yeah, I think that's is
0: cool. that not in itself?
1: Shameful. Yeah. Yeah. Shameful. We're all very ashamed of ourselves. You know what? I know this is really stupid to do in the last few minutes that we're recording, but as we're talking, uh, we do have a lot of stand-up comedians on. You do stand-up, but you do other stuff as well. So now that people have listened for 50 minutes, could you tell them like, <laughs> like what you do? Oh, yeah, <laughs> <of the ass. laughs>
2: um, I'm a multi-hyphenate. I, uh, I started in musical theater, and then I... Knew I wanted to do something that involved stand-up, but I wanted to include what I loved and what I knew, which is music. Uh, and I grew up sort of watching Joan Rivers and Jackie Mason, but also the Marx Brothers, Danny Kaye, uh, Sammy Davis Jr., even Anthony Newley. So it's I've always loved anyone who can, who can combine song, comedy, storytelling. So my shows are a big mix of all that. And a lot of people go, oh, I've never seen this before. And that's not me um, bragging. I'll just bragging. But, but it's not new. It's actually very old. It's an old school song and dance man. But I'm just doing it about the current political climate right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing it about my family history. I'm trying to, even though I'm painted and I'm in drag and I've got a band, Ruben K and the K-Holes. We, we endeavour to kind of make something that seems so alien really relatable. And I always uh, want to make sure that the audience is having a huge party. There's something celebratory in it. Yeah. You know? I've got a late night show called The K-Hole, which I describe as uh, a queer punk protest party for the end of the world.
1: I love that.
2: <laughs> and I get to tell my favourite acts, get, a, get angry, get drunk, get naked, get on stage. And then they get a great – and it's a great time. (laughs) Oh, wonderful.
1: And you're on tour now?
2: I'm on tour now. Right. I am on tour now. So I'm all around the UK. We're doing Manchester, Sheffield, Brighton, Bristol, Leeds. We're doing Stockholm. uh, And then we're coming to the South Bank Centre for all of December, from December 8th for the whole month of December. It's me and my show, The Butchers Back, which is the show we're touring. Uh, Me and the full band. So. It's a great time. We won. We were the second best-reviewed show in Edinburgh Fringe Festival.
1: Congratulations. Congratulations.
2: Yeah. Ed Byrne. What a cunt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that guy and his dead brother. <laughs>
2: that- <laughs> <laughs>
1: that is, that's what, one thing I will say about Edinburgh is I feel like it's like, you know when you went back to school after the summer break and you had to do a report on – this is what my oh, yeah. summer was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah what that's what it is. is. Yeah. That's other, so good. Who went through a breakup? Who had? Who who lost a family member?
2: Who got who,
0: cancer? Who got cancer?
1: Who got diagnosed? Yeah, that's <laughs> the new this, one. this was
0: the year of who got diagnosed. Yeah. Yeah. it's
1: it's always Did like. Did you what, see what? Um,
0: Elliot Steele's tweet yesterday? No, oh, what is oh say? <laughs> <laughs> Simultaneously, very yes. sad. I saw this. I it saw really this. Really, very Where So, Mark Still, who is predictably his father, has a saddest throat cancer. Oh, and there's no. a new story about that. Elliot quote tweets it saying, Well, that's the 45 minute mark of my show, Sort. <laughs> 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 it made me laugh so much, but also really upset <laughs> It's really good. It did upset a lot of people? Um, I, think, like, I think a lot of people have the same reaction as me, where I, I love Mark and think he's a brilliant person and comedian. Um, but also, that made me laugh. So that's how I found the news oh, out. You, that was how I found that's it. how you <laughs> found out. Okay. There's a great, there's so a comedian made called. Me laugh.
2: There's a comedian called Jackie Hoffman, who's a New York. Do you watch Only Murders in the Building?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
2: she's the crotchety neighbor with yes, the glasses, yes, 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 with that amazing face, I was like. Alicia, she's always swearing. I tried to recite a line and I'd forgotten it. Um, She is a comedian and a singer and writes her own original songs. She has an album called Jackie Hoffman Live at Joe's Pub. And in it, she's doing like, this is my greatest hits. Last year, I had cancer and a hysterectomy and this. And this year, I wish I had cancer because that show wrote itself. (laughs)
0: I'm fuck, you're brutal. That's great. Oh, that's so good. Thank you for coming on. And uh, we would like a neurodivergent moment for you, if you don't mind.
2: Oh, my God. I didn't even think of one of these. One second. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's my neurodivergent moment. you told me several times to do this, and I said, I must do this, and I never did it. Your homework is due. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And now it's the last minute. I'm scrambling, and I'll probably come up with something brilliant. Um, a neurodivergent moment where I just sort of... This is the moment where I realised, oh, hang on. Other people operate differently to me. Yeah. And that is something. Um, when I had to work on group projects. When we had to work on group projects. No, I know exactly what it is. I know exactly what it is. It's just hit me. At the school dance, it was like a daytime afternoon school dance in high school. And I was never a popular kid at high school. Like, I just didn't have the... I couldn't interact. I just wanted to do shtick with people, but I didn't really know how to listen. I didn't know how to like interact with people. And I remember watching everyone else like dancing to the DJ in that slightly too bright half light they give kids on a dance floor. Mm -hmm. And I remember watching some people dance and be like, okay, so it's just like you step here and you move your arm here and you step here and then you move your arm here. It's not that difficult. You can do that. That's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's how humans interact. (laughs) And then I went on and like I, I still now have very massive insecure about dancing in public <laughs> about that, but I remember so specifically trying to like learn and mimic and and then just and now I look back and go that's not that's that's not what neurotypical people do no. <laughs> When everyone goes, oh, you just go and you just feel it. I'm like, what does that mean?
1: (laughs) I love now that you are, like, a very successful musician and singer and performer. And you had to look at it and go, what do you do with music? (laughs) I (laughs) don't No, what to do? You cracked it, honey. You I did. cracked it. I
2: got. It. But like, still yeah. now, if you ask me, like, go into a dance floor and dance. Yeah. I still remember that moment.
1: Oh. God I still remember that. and I still be like,
2: yeah. okay. I just have to like relax. I have to do some poppers. <laughs> I have to just do some poppers and do that. And then I still because I'm so in um, school Doesn't... in dance college, hilariously at VCA Music Theatre College. I didn't know this until I left. I had the nickname Scissors in dance class and they're like don't dance next to scissors because I'm so long I've got long arms long legs and I had all the enthusiasm to fling them out but none of the muscular control or technique to bring them back
1: Oh wow! <laughs> they called
2: me scissors. Oh, uh, and not to my face. They were kind about it. They did it behind my back, like real friends. Yeah,
1: yeah. but then I would just like to go point out again. Look at you now, and where are they? Yeah, like, you know what I mean. Like you're like I may be scissors, but I'm also playing London South Bank. Where can people find you online to find more of your uh, information about your tour?
2: Oh my god, I'm such an egomaniac. It's RubenK.com. R-e-u-b-e n k a y e, dot
0: com awesome we'll put it in the show notes as well
2: yeah do it yeah. it's everywhere I've got my Instagram I'm on tour come find me not like come find me but also like come find me <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm here I'm very accessible
1: awesome thank, <laughs> thank
2: you, you so much. much thank you for having me
0: awesome Ruben K I love that man
1: oh god so funny so good and on tour so you guys should definitely check him out
0: yes yeah doing a long run in London yes <laughs> that took a moment to register
1: uh, yeah I, it started raining and I got distracted oh
0: I see okay so so that that's your moment covered for the week yeah <laughs> so yep
1: yep some light rain
0: take out the podcast do you have any new emergent moments
1: uh, yeah, I do. I want to read. I want to read this one first because I have a piggyback off of it, if you okay. will. Okay, this was sent to our email. And if you want, email us at neurodivergentmomentspod at gmail.com and we can read your neurodivergent moments out. And if you wish to remain anonymous, please put it in the email. So this is from Jude. My neurodivergent moment is from a while back when I went to see Joe perform in Birmingham. Hey! I checked before I went if Joe would be willing to sign his Wired Differently book, and he said, no problem. So I took that along. I took my sister, and we had a great time. At the end of the show, I went to join the queue of people getting things signed. I then opened the front page of the book and realized, as I had pre-ordered it early, and it was, in fact, already signed.
0: (laughs) I think I remember this, yeah.
1: But now I'm in the queue. I can't just leave the queue. There are people behind me. My sister asks why I'm waiting in the queue to get something signed that is already signed, and I panic. I say I want him to add a message. When I get to the front of the queue, Joe looks at the already signed book and clearly has a moment of thinking, my name is already in there. He does, however, kindly add a message. It's going to a school. It's not even made it to the school yet, as my dyspraxic niece saw it and wanted to read it first. I'm still awaiting a diagnosis for whatever brain I have. But if they say neurotypical, I will have some doubts.
0: (laughs) I remember that. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant.
1: I panicked. I couldn't leave live. There were people behind me. God bless you, I think
0: I had a a, a new and emergent moment at that, um, because I, I, at that same gig, because I only had a few books left. I'd done like a run and there was only a few left. And I was so um, worried about being in a position where there was a, a, where the queue was split. If there's there's one queue and there's three books and the first three people get the books, I didn't want to be in a position where I have to be like, like a Roman emperor sort of choosing who gets a book. So I think the last few minutes of my show in Birmingham were me shouting at the audience going, you, I will come out in a bit. you have to form a queue. <laughs> there only three books and they, and they did. So there was no awkward, um, but I was very, I remember being very anxious about potential book queue awkwardness.
1: Oh, God bless you. Uh, I, my neurodivergence yes, moment is, also linked to your tour in your book yes so uh i did tour support for joe in london and portsmouth in the last show in london joe was uh at the front of the room people formed a queue he was signing and selling books and i was just kind of sat at the back of the room and uh this one lady came up to me and was like great job and i was like thanks so much and she was like do you want to sign the book too and I was like, well, I didn't write it, and I'm not in it, so do, do you want me to sign it? And she was like, only if you want to. And I was like, well, it's your book, so it's up to you if I sign it. And she just goes this is too many decisions (laughs) and I went you go enjoy yourself and I just sent her (laughs) on her way and I was like I think she just wanted me to sign the freaking why didn't why couldn't I just sign the book
0: I should have just yeah yeah that could have that would have been such a rare book
1: well it I was just kind of like it's you know she was like I was like "But but it's not my book and I'm not in the book I can't sign the book and she, like, she clearly wanted me to sign it. And I I've, I feel oh. if you're listening, I apologize. I should have signed Joe's book
0: for as well. Next year, yeah. same, same venue, bring that book back and have Abigail will sign it.
1: Yeah, I promise I will sign it uh, 100%. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's the, that's, uh, I think we're done. Oh, I have another listener one. Oh yeah, duh, sorry. We only did one listener one.
0: Um, okay. This is, uh, I, I'm always drawn to the anonymous ones because I expect them to be the uh, the juiciest. Yeah. Um, so this is from uh, anonymous. Uh, my, and I can see why uh, they wanted to be anonymous um, in case their adult children find out about this. My dad offered to pay for me and my adult children to go on holiday to Northumberland. I politely declined because that's not where we go on holiday. We go on <laughs> holiday in Wales. That is where the holiday is. Apparently, this is odd. I don't know whether this person's adult children know about this holiday that's been uh, free holiday that's been turned down. <laughs>
1: i love it i like that set of rule following i feel you uh i feel you i didn't sign a book because it wasn't mine i <laughs> won't go on holiday i understand you anonymous i see the rules i appreciate them
0: <laughs> we're all appreciators that's yeah, the special. totally um i think i think that's everything with this episode
1: yeah i think it is um sign up for the patreon three levels now uh so something for everyone yeah and uh thank you so much for joining us
0: see you in a fortnight
1: bye